Alright, um, hello, you bunch of cunts. <laughs> I need to get a fucking, a better, like, slogan or something, because I just say hello, you bunch of cunts at the start of every podcast. And, uh, to be honest, it's not great. It's not the, it's not, it's not the most friendly of phrases, is it? It's not the most, it's not, um, it's not the nicest, uh, it's not the nicest opener. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a, tor- it's kind of a, a term of endearment, I personally feel. I feel you should be uh, privileged that I call you cunts. Because <laughs> um, that's not as bad a word here as it is other places. Like here, it's all kind of circumstantial, I think, isn't it? It's all kind of, like here in Ireland, it's kind of like, you can say, you can call someone a cunt jokingly, like, but you could also... Uh, but in the right circumstances, with the right tone, with everything, cunt can sound very harsh indeed. I kind of like yeah, calling someone a dick, or do you know what I mean? Like you can go, do you know, if, if your mate, if your mate's annoying you, go oh, fuck off, you dick. And that can be kind of playful, but you can also say he's a fucking dick. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference. And same with that with cunt, you'd be like, ah, go away, you cunt. That's fine, but you can. I don't know. If someone's not in the room, you couldn't call him a cunt. I think that's the. I think that's the thing. If someone's not in the room and you called him a cunt, then it's harsh. Do you know what I mean? It's actually very common to call your teacher a cunt when you're in school here, and there was no um, nobody was ever like, "Oh my god, calm it down with the language, man." Well, not in my school anyway. <laughs> I don't know about other schools, but uh, and I'm talking about like behind their back, like after class was over, not to their face, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, so, I don't know, it's kind of a term of endearment to call you cunts. Um, I, I hope I haven't offended anybody. And if I have, fuck off. <laughs> um, how's things? How are you keeping? How's your week been? Um, bit of an update. Uh, a, co- a few, a couple of months ago, I did a podcast about Bo Burnham, right? Where I tracked his whole career from start to finish. His stand-up career, say, right? And I did his three specials, and I did it with the notion that he was finished doing comedy because he was, and he was he was open he was open about how he he was finished with it and he was done, and make happy was going to be his last show that was in with Grant right. So what did the fuck what did the fucker do? He released a new fucking Netflix special, didn't he? Uh, he announced it a few weeks ago that he's been making it during the pandemic. And he released it there last, uh, what was it, last Sunday. And uh, just as a follow-up, if you listen to that podcast at all, um, and you want to hear my thoughts on his new one, it's, I watched it last night. It's fucking incredible. Fuck me, it's an hour and a half long, it's his longest one, and it's, it's just fucking unreal. It's hilarious, but it's all, it's not, it's, it's not his funniest one, but by God, it's fucking amazing. It's just, it's 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 pure, it, like everything I like about him is, if you listen to that podcast, you know, the thing that really connected with me was the fact that he's using comedy as a way to dive deep and be kind of introspective and to be, uh, and to kind of uh, explore something a bit different other than just being funny and to kind of explore a bit deeper. And fuck me, does this do that? It's just, it's, it's just a deep dive into fucking into the, into the kind of the psyche of the of being in lockdown. To be honest, and it's it's just fucking incredible. It's just fucking incredible. And uh, so, if you if you like him at all, uh, go watch it. If you don't like him, you're really gonna hate it. If you're not a fan of him, you're not gonna like this at all. If uh, if you've watched any of his stuff before and thought, ah, I'm not a big fan of this, this is not for you. It's really not for you at all. But uh, I just wanted to say that there because uh, I haven't talked about it at all. And uh, yeah, I'm going to watch it again. Probably a few times again. I just, I've been thinking about it all day today. Last night I watched it, I was like, Jesus, this is so good. And I've been thinking about it all day. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to just watch it again. And I'll probably watch it a few more times. And a few more times again, and again, and again. 
So uh, that's all good. That's uh, so that's very exciting. It's very exciting that because uh, I was just convinced that that was it. He wasn't going to have any more. And now he's a new one for me to just fucking obsess over for a while. Um, so that's that. Um, but that's not what this podcast is going to be about this week, guys. That's not what the podcast is, about, is going to be about this week. This week on the podcast, I want to discuss... I want to do a music podcast again. Um, I want to jump into a certain genre of music, right? And I want to talk about the kind of rise and fall of a, of, of this particular genre. And it's not necessarily about the genre. What I want to really explore is how... So music, particularly rock music, but rock music is about not conforming and it's about rebelling and it's about um, pushing away what was before and about, it's essentially sticking it to the man is what it's about, right? It's about standing up and giving a big middle finger to, to the man and the man can mean literally anything the man in in terms of rock music you, it's about sticking it to the man but the man can mean a corporation a record label it could mean fucking it could mean it could mean your parents it could mean fucking it could mean the government just anyone who is a say i don't know what the word anyone who's kind of above you um in in life in general Anyone who who has a kind of a, a powerful position in anything. So if you're the big, if you're the if you're the CEO of a company, or if you're someone's fucking parent, anybody who has some level of power over somebody else is considered the man. And rock music is about giving a big middle finger to the man, whoever it could be. So I want to just discuss how that manifests. And how that dynamic, it constantly just shifts. There's an interesting thing, it just constantly shifts. And that's, it kind of breeds new life into into rock music. New genres start as a way to rebel. But the man kind of gets in the way and it's no longer rebelling. And you have to find a new way to rebel and it's this constant cycle. So that's what I want to talk about. So I want to take you back in time, right? So imagine imagine you're in this position. Imagine it's around 1971, right? So it's around 1971. Sitting down, you flick on top of the pops. And next thing comes on the telly is a man with fucking a big head of hair. With glitter all over his face, and is playing this, and is playing a fairly standard, simple, stripped-down rock and roll tune that you haven't heard much of lately. Like very simple, melodic, and nothing too fancy. Very stripped down, and he's wearing very flamboyant clothes. It's a, he's kind of wearing. At the time, in particular, you'd look at the you'd look at what he's wearing and consider it to be. You'd consider that he was wearing, not totally women's clothes, but you'd consider he's not wearing normal clothes and he's destroyed in glitter, very kind of a feminine look. And you're looking at this, going, "What the fuck is that? What the fuck is he wearing? What the fuck's going on here?" Well, that was a man called Mark Bolan, who was the lead singer of T Rex. And that moment, Mark Bolan going on top of the pops, was often is is considered to be one of the first moments, or the first big mainstream moment in the emergence of glam rock. Now, this isn't a podcast about glam, but what I want to talk about uh, starts with glam rock. Now, glam rock was all about. It was about the clothes as well, as much as it was about the music. So, popular glam artists. So, yeah, I mentioned T-Rex. Then there's also bands like Slade. Uh, 
are they called Sweet? Another one. There was uh, Gary Glitter, but we won't talk about him. Um, there was a lot of these bands, and, and it was about the look. But the number one glam artist that everyone knows was David Bowie. Um, around this time is when David Bowie was doing Ziggy Stardust. And he was really embracing the look and the clothes. And David Bowie went full headfirst into the, into the glam mindset. And full on wore what would be considered women's clothes. But not totally. He didn't dress as... He didn't wear exactly what women were wearing at the time. It was kind of this weird mix and mash of of different of different genders almost and it was a real kind of moment of kind of uh what's the word questioning kind of gender roles in terms of clothing why do why do we like why should why should this be considered man's clothes and woman's clothes what like why the fuck what's the difference who gives a fuck and sure that's that shit's still going on today as well fucking harry styles wore a dress on the cover of a magazine people were kind of going wait he did what this was what glam was glam was all about it was called glam so you know so it was obviously about the look and about the the aesthetics as much as it was about the music and these bands reach fairly big success in the uk and bowie um in particular made it across the atlantic to the u.s and he really had a good he really had great success in the u.s like he was fucking david bowie of course he had great success so you also see bands like the new york dolls who were starting to kind of get influenced by this and were wearing um sort of glam outfits as well so this was becoming a thing and by the mid yeah around the mid 70s kind of late 70s it had it had become a whole thing so you had bands like that weren't even necessarily considered glam rock, but bands that would be considered like hard rock bands like KISS were like KISS where fucking fucking clown makeup and it's all big hairdos and it's all and it's all about the looks, you know? And and then through and then and then you start to see by the time you get to the eighties, I'm kinda of jumping forward ahead in years now, so I do probably so I do apologise, but you get down to by the time you get to the eighties, this was a whole thing. So you had bands like Twisted Sister, Kiss, um, and of course there was Motley Crue. This was the emergence of what is now known as hair metal. It's also known as glam metal, but hair metal is probably it's the term I'm I'm most um, familiar with anyway. So then you have so you have these bands that are huge and it's about the look as much as it is anything else. The big difference I personally feel is with glam rock it was about yes it was about the looks and that was the huge part of it that's what was really drawing people in. But when you took look at bands like T-Rex, David Bowie, Matt the Hoople, all these bands they had fucking serious tunes. Like David Bowie. Like Ziggy Stardust. The album Ziggy Stardust is fucking incredible. It's amazing music. And it, they, they never lost sight of what the music was about. You know what I mean? The looks is all that. Is part of it. Great. But it's not about the looks. At the end of the day it's about the music. And it was a big middle finger to the man. It was a big fuck you to the man. It was a... Because... It was creating a conversation about gender roles, gender... Like, Bowie in particular. Like, it was very much ahead of his time in in terms of, like, what clothes... what This idea of men in women's clothes. It was a big middle finger. Particularly as well when there was the other um, artist that came beforehand. Like, this, this, this started happening in the, in the 70s. I mean, in the 60s you had... I mean, who were the biggest band in the 60s? You know, you had the Beatles. And sure, the classic Beatles look is the straight haircuts and the black and white suits. Very basic, stripped down. And this is what rock and roll stars looked like. And then David Bowie comes out and people are looking at him going, what the fuck is that? He's dressed like a woman. What the fuck? 
Now, if you were into the scene at the time, you thought it was great. But if you weren't, you were outraged by this. You were saying, what the fuck is he doing? What the fuck is he wearing those clothes for? What the fuck was that all about? And it's really, it's, it's fucking great. It's fucking great. And I fucking love David Bowie. And the more people you can piss off, the better. But then by the time you get to the 80s, it's not a big shock anymore. To see bands with big long hair or wearing women's wearing women's clothes, wearing these wearing tights and by the time you get to the eighties they're all wearing like particularly with bands like Twisted Sister and Motley Crue, they're wearing like leopard print. It's a very common thing. It's not shocking anymore. That's what rock artists that's what rock stars look like, you know? Metal. That's what that's what metal music looks like. Now, this was in what would be considered mainstream music, right? The, f- the fact that this music is called metal upsets a lot of people. Now, this is where we're going to start getting into um, into problems, right? So I should put a trigger warning here. This podcast is likely to offend some people. <laughs> this podcast is likely to offend people who are fans of... If you're a fan of hair metal, uh, you're probably going to be offended by uh, by the rest of the content in this podcast. Um, if you're a fan of... Um, and I, I like Motley Crue. I do like Motley Crue. They've got some fairly decent tunes, but... Some of the other ones... I mean, if you look... Twisted Sister. Not really a fan. Bon Jovi. If you like Bon Jovi... I mean, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Look, this is just going to offend people, but just please be aware, I'm talking here about rock music. And if you like Bon Jovi, you don't like rock music. You like uh, commercial bullshit with the, the artistic merit of Baby by Justin Bieber. So I'm not actually talking about you because you don't like rock music. You like shite. <laughs> I find it's best, instead of putting a trigger warning in, just offend everyone at the top. So now if you've if if this isn't for you, you've already been offended and you've already gone, fuck him, and you've stopped listening. See? Ten steps ahead. Modern problems require modern solutions, right? <laughs> but anyways, hair metal in general is pretty fucking shit. Just don't take my podcast too seriously, because it's just opinions at the end of the day. It's just me talking. It's just my opinion, and I'm just going to say it. I might talk about it like it's a genuine fact, but it is just my opinion. But to be fair, it is quite a commonly held opinion that hair metal is shite. I'm not the only one that thinks that. There's quite a large body, almost majority of people would agree that this music is quite shite. So, it is just my opinion, but it's quite a common one. So... Do with that what you will. <laughs> He's a fucking arsehole. This fella's a fucking arsehole. Bon Jovi's class. Oh my god, fuck off. What a dick. What a dickhead. Oh my god, let's go. <laughs> let's listen to Living on a Prayer. My auntie's wedding. Come on, it's great. <laughs> okay. So, around the... Hair metal was coming around, was starting up around the same time as MTV was launched. Now, MTV was launched some point, it's around 1980 or 1981, I forget the exact date, I'm bad at dates now, I'm sorry. But, MTV starts, and of course, there's, there's, of course, like, this isn't... I'm talking about hair metal as if it, as if it was the only genre around. It it wasn't. It was obviously it was the eighties, so there's all other forms. But I'm just talking about uh, in in terms of rock music. This was the music that was there in the mainstream. So when MTV starts up, the rock music you were seeing was Motley Crue and Twisted Sister. That's what you were seeing. And the reason why these bands really started getting big was because of the spectacle of the whole thing. So, if if glam was a way of sticking it to the man and not conforming, 
hair metal was a way uh, for these bands to almost grab attention when you're watching on the TV. So, like, if, if you're on the TV, like, you want... When they're making music videos, this is when music videos started becoming a thing. So, if you have a band like Motley Crue, four young guys in, like, in fairly good nick as well, uh, big fucking hairdos and fucking tight leopard print pants, and are fucking playing a fucking heavy tune with a lot of, like, strippers around them and stuff, that's gonna catch the attention of people. More so than a band that's... Like a Beatle-esque band, you know, a bit more stripped down, that kind of thing. That's not going to grab the attention as much. So, so MTV really kind of helped hair metal come into the mainstream a lot. Simply because of the spectacle of the whole thing. Now, if you were a fan of metal at the time, you were really not... If you were a fan of... If you were like a legit fan of metal... You were really unhappy with the fact that this was the shit that was on that was in the mainstream, because at the time as well, like the eighties was. If you're a metal fan, the eighties, and I'm not a huge metal fan by the way. I've talked about this before. I'm more of a punk fan, and there's kind of I have it in my head that you can be, you can be a fan of both, but you're you lean more towards the other. You're not equally a fan of everything. I I've always had this in my head. You know, you can like both, but you. You can only kind of, you lean, you definitely lean closer to one side. So I love bands like Slayer and stuff like that, but I do, I, I, I just lean towards punk bands like, the, uh, you know, Sex Pistols and the Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. That just, I don't know, I just lean more towards that. So, but if you're a fan of metal, like the 80s was kind of peak. That's when Metallica were doing their first albums. Slayer, fucking Slayer are an incredible band. So, like, if you're listening to a song like Raining Blood and you consider yourself to be a metal fan and then other people are coming up just saying, yeah, I like metal too, and they're listening to fucking... and they're listening to We're Not Gonna Take It, you're gonna get pissed off. Do you know what I mean? Because you're looking going, that's just not the fucking same thing. So this was a huge boom for hair metal bands simply because of the spectacle of everything so what started happening was because it was doing really well it was becoming very uh, because these bands were doing extremely well it was becoming very commercial and because it was so commercial they were paying more and more attention to record sales and what was doing well on MTV versus other songs and all these other things. And certain certain things are gonna certain types of songs are gonna sell better than others. That's just the reality, right? It's not just a matter of circumstance or anything else. It's just certain genres are gonna do better and certain styles are just gonna do better commercially. So I could talk about before, like Raining Blood by Slayer isn't going to do well commercially, right? People who are fans of that type of music will fucking love it, but it's not going to do well in the charts, on the radio and stuff like that, because it's just, it's too, what's the word? Not aggressive, but it's for some people it's just too much. So certain bands, some of these bands started doing power ballads. So they just, if they'd release an album and it'd be common enough to do one song that's, you know, like a slow song that would be like a power ballad type thing. You know, some of them like Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue, stuff like that, right? Good, n- Not bad songs at all, but what started happening then was these songs would do better. You know what I mean? So Home Sweet Home is one of Motley Crue's biggest songs. But it's not, it doesn't sum up their style necessarily. It's not, it's definitely not a metal song. So these songs were doing well. So these songs were doing better than some of the heavier tunes that they were doing. So then... Record companies start noticing this, bands start noticing this, MTV starts noticing this, and start saying, we should lean more heavily towards the power ballad stuff, because that does well, people seem to like that, that seems to do fairly well. So all these bands were doing these, were starting to do all these power ballads. And eventually, they started doing all this, they started, some of them started going acoustic, and they were losing sight totally of what the fuck they were meant to be doing in the first place, which was metal, it was meant to be head banging and heavy riffs and they were turning away from that for commercial reasons so if you're a fan again if you're a fan of this type of music you're looking going what in the name of fucking god are these bands doing 
You're looking going, what the fuck is this shit? And I'm talking again, this is in the mainstream. And this is always the case, like literally always. And you see this now even because rock music isn't the mainstream now. But there's great bands around at the moment, do you know what I mean? And they're doing fairly well in the kind of in the kind of underground scene. There's some bands are doing fairly well. Or even not necessarily underground, just in kind of pr- in the kind of peripheral. That just aren't necessarily the number one bands around, but they're in the peripheral and they're there in the chair. They're in some charts and they're getting nominated for certain things. Like Fontaine's DC got nominated for a Grammy. I'm always talking about that. Um, there's other great bands like Idols around at the moment. Uh, Murder Capital is another great Irish band. There's Girl Bands. And then there's a, and then along there, Shame's another good one. There's a, but there's, and there's also smaller bands that are around. A lot of underground bands. There's a lot of great bands at the moment. But that's not the mainstream, you know what I mean? And it doesn't get public attention but it is there prime example was at the end was it was it in 2020 was a billboard released their list of 100 best of whatever genre that year and in their best 100 best rock songs of the 2010s like what the what in the name of fuck like i think in the top 10 imagine dragons had no, I'm not joking. I think Imagine Dragons had five songs in the top ten. Imagine Dragons. Top ten best rock songs. Imagine Dragons are not a rock band. Do you know what I mean? So, like, that'll tell you. But it's not as if there wasn't... It's not as if the, this music didn't exist. Like, it does exist. It's just not in the mainstream. So, um, So, that's what I'm talking about with what's going on here in the 80s but this was the mainstream if you flick down mtv the most prominent me- the most prominent rock music would have been hair metal right so what's that and as well the big thing that people had against hair metal as well was so now at this stage the hair metal bands are all full-blown moving more towards com- what uh writing songs for commercial gain and all the rest of it right and it's all about their look the shows are these big heavy fucking full of pyrotechnics and they've got you know fucking women half naked on the stage dancing and all these kind of things and it's not only about that but particularly with motley Crue, the number one thing with motley Crue is they're famous for their lifestyle so they've got these big debaucherous lifestyles where it's the classic sex, drugs, and rock and roll, bro, taking it to new heights, and that's all with their, that's what their life is, and that's what their songs are too, if you look at Motley Crue songs, it's all girls, 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 and it's, and stuff like that, and just famous for, I mean, there was the film that came out on Netflix a few years ago, The Dirt, which I would recommend, because it's fucking great, and you just see what the fuck they were up to at the time, it was fucking nuts, fucking insane what Motley Crue were doing at the time now it isn't the best and if someone was doing it today you'd be kind of looking going jeez that's not the fucking best and there's <laughs> there's definitely a lot of toxicity around it but it's fucking crazy and a big criticism that you'd hear about these bands is they care more about their fucking hairstyles and their clothes and drinking and drugs and fucking scoring chicks than they do about the fucking music and i say scoring chicks because that's the term that they would use and at this stage they 100% do like 100% that's they don't they the music is something else it's you know what i mean at this stage and it's just like i said hair metal is shit It, it, it is i mean there is some good there is decent enough music in there but it's a lot of it's just shite lads (laughs) but around the late 80s you see the small emergence of kind of more stripped down and kind of punk influenced bands like the pixies now the pixies are one of my favorite bands of all time you've heard me talk about the pixies but they've got a tune here comes your man now that was a fairly popular song at the time, but the Pixies never reached full 
like the Pixies are a huge band now. They're they play all over the world and they've got loads of fans, but they weren't they never really hit 100% huge success when they were to when they were together in the in the late 80s early 90s. But they had some fairly decent tunes and they had a song Here Comes Your Man. And if you look up the video of Here Comes Your Man on YouTube, right? It's fucking hilarious, right? So what's happening is like in the middle of the 80s when it's all these music videos is all about the big show even like Michael Jackson's music videos are famous for being a being a big production and 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 all these other things it becomes a whole becomes a whole thing and then the pixies in their video it's just them playing the song and <laughs> it's just the four of them staring like it'll it'll just have a single shot of each of the band members just staring stone faced into the camera. It's very uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> and then it cuts to it cuts to to Frank Black singing. And he's not even singing. He just holds his mouth open wide as if he's singing. Just wide open as if he's singing when he's <laughs> and he's and he's not even he's not even mounting the words like he's supposed to be. And they're all just full on and to be honest, it looks like they fucking want to punch the cameraman. They're just aggressively just staring into the camera. And th- this kind of thing is happening in the midst of pure 80s... Ex- I don't know, extravagance isn't the right word? Or is it? Spectacle. The pure spectacle of the 80s. And then there's also... Um, there's, there's, and there's some other bands that you see were emerging around this time. And in the kind of underground scene as well, you had other bands like Soundgarden and, and and bands like this were starting to emerge around the late 80s. And Nirvana also starts. Um, their first album came out in 89, I believe. Bleach. And, or was it 88? And... Yeah, so these bands are... They're, they're there and they're starting to emerge... But they're in, they're not in what you'd consider mainstream success. They're they're kind of underground bands. They're doing fairly okay, and it's all going fine. But it was, but it's not by any means mainstream. And again, rock music at this stage as well. I mean, you think about eighties music. You don't really think about you don't think about hair metal. You you think about eighties music. It's almost its own genre, to be honest. You think about eighties pop music. So. Almost what you'd almost consider the absolute death of hair metal is a song called Cherry Pie. You probably know the song. She's my cherry pie. You probably know that song, right? It's absolute dog shit. You can look <laughs> you can look up the video for it as well. The video is even worse. The video is just awkward to look at. It's just... it's. I don't know what it is that makes that so unbelievably uncool. I don't understand what it is that actually makes that song so terrible. But it just is. And you can look up the video for that song. It's just awful. It's, a, it's just a terrible, terrible song. And at this stage, it's just the absolute peak of... What was wrong with hair metal? Was it starts off as a way to rebel against something? You know what I mean? It starts off as we're wearing all these ridiculous clothes. We're wearing all these clothes as a way to rebel. We're flashy, flashy, and where it's all a big spectacle and it's a big fuck you to the men. It starts off like that to. 1990, Warren released the song Cherry Pie, and it is the least offensive thing you've ever seen in your life. It's just absolute dog shit. It's almost like, it was like, and it wasn't, but it's like it was written by just a committee of people who were like, alright, let's write the next hair metal hit. And it wasn't, it was written by the singer of the of the band Warrant, who later went on to express how much he hates that song and how much it kind of ruined his career and ruined his image because again like if you're if you're if you 
if you're young and you have dreams of becoming a rock star and you have dream and you've dreams of becoming a, a huge and you and you love metal and you love all these things and you've dreams of becoming you know a big star and then you write cherry pie you fucking you'd hate it of course you would because it's absolute dog shit <laughs> Yeah. I've offended a lot of this is opinions by the way what I was saying around by hearing it'll be an absolute shite look some people fucking love it right some people absolutely love it right that's fine but if you like the song cherry pie what the fuck is wrong with you honestly what like genuinely what is wrong with you <laughs> so this song comes out <laughs> so this song comes out cherry pie and it's kind of a fairly all same low for hair metal and this is kind of it it kind of just dies at this point and if you're a, if you're a music fan at the time and you're a fan of rock music there's not a lot for you do you know what i mean there's not a lot for you going on in this in that kind of mtv mainstream space at all anymore there's just nothing and if you're a fan of this music at the time you're just kind of going what the fuck is there anymore until 1991 when the song smells like teen spirit comes out now you know smells like teen spirit by nirvana you know the song right this song changed literally fucking everything just it took like if hair metal was basically already gone it had already ran its course and it was now dying at death and smells like teen spirit literally if if it was if it was on its if hair metal was on its deathbed smells like teen spirit pulled the fucking plug and said Fuck you, we're here now. <laughs> so, Smells Like Teen Spirit comes out and it's a huge hit, right? It's huge. Just out of nowhere as well. So, Nirvana Nirvana go from being a fairly popular band if you're into that underground scene. If you're into that kind of... If you're into that kind of early grunge scene. If you're into, you know, there's bands like Mud Honey, The Melvins... Um, Alice in Chains. All the, if you're into that kind of thing, you, you know about Nirvana, right? This will tell you about how fast Nirvana... How fast Nirvana got... Popular. Was that they were... They were... They often tell this story that there was like... They were playing in these small, tiny little venues like, like bands would. Like, not tiny, but just a fairly reasonable size venue... And there would just be crowds and crowds and crowds of people waiting outside the venue. Because they didn't have tickets. Because they were already this huge band. But they were playing in this venue because it was already booked. It had been booked previously. and But in the interim between that being... In the time between... From the time of it being booked to then. They had become a huge band already. That's It just happened like very, very quickly. It was just out of nowhere. And... So this song comes out and it's like one of the number it's like the number one song in the world at the time. Huge, huge hit. And you go on to MTV because as well you hear the song on the radio or whatever and you're going, I want to see the video, I want to see the video. And you flick on MTV and you're used to a rock band having a certain look. If you're used to rock bands at that time, you're used to them having a certain look. And you go on and the number one rock song, the number one song in the world, and they're literally just wearing normal clothes. He's just wearing... So you go on Kirkabane, he's wearing... He'd often go on stage wearing just jumpers with, like, fucking holes in them. And just ripped jeans and this kind of, Like, just wearing normal clothes. You don't... You don't get the impression that they went to hair and makeup before they went to a show. Because they didn't. They didn't go, alright, let's go, alright. Fucking show in an hour, let's get our hair done. No, he just went on when he went on. And wore what he was wearing. And... Then that was the first single off the off the album Nevermind. The album Nevermind comes out I forget the exact date, but it comes out in September ninety one. 
and it's fucking, it's ginormous. And it's so big that it, the album became number one in the, in the charts and it knocked Michael Jackson off the number one spot in the charts. Like that just never happened. Like that was just a no-go. Like nobody had done that before. Michael Jackson is like the number, he's the king of pop. And this fucking, this under, this, what, this, this band that, like a year ago, were an underground grunge band, or after knocking Michael Jackson off the number one spot, it was just a total, an utter change to the status quo of what was happening before, like, it was just, like, everything that was happening before, it just said, no, fuck off, and it changed literally everything, and... That's when the that's when grunge hit like mad. So then, like all the other bands, like I mentioned before, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, it's Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all these bands that were huge. And not only that, but they were very vocal about how much they hated hair metal. They were very vocal about how the fact that fuck all them, they cared more about their haircuts and their chicks than they cared about the music. Like that was the line. So like, I mean. Again, it was a huge... Because hair metal starts off as this rebellious look and this rebellious thing to becoming this fucking pure commercial shite. Like, it was like you know, like a song like Cherry Pie going on MTV. They, they've become the man, essentially. And a lot of these... The hair metal bands as well were... First off, they didn't like what what was happening. They didn't like the music. I mean, Vince Neil was going around going like, why the fuck are all these bands talking about being how depressed and how sad you are and shit like what's this all about do you know what I mean like you have like Soundgarden like a song like Black Hole Sun and it's, it sounds about depression and all these things like Vince Neil who's the lead singer of Motley Crue says like why the fuck are they singing songs about about how depressed and how shitty the world is yeah we know the world's shitty but why aren't you singing songs about fucking chicks there's a video of him saying that just really just, they really didn't like this at this because they were now these bands were the man now. They didn't want to be the man. They were trying to stick it to the man and became the man because they were too worried about commercial success and how uh, and how they looked and everything else than they were about the music. And you have Kurt Cobain who really and truly didn't want to be that famous. He really didn't like it, the idea of being that famous. Alright, prime example. One of the biggest hair metal songs is by Def Leppard. Pour some sugar on me. And one of Nirvana's biggest songs is called Rape Me. I mean that tells you the difference in in not only in tone, but also just in the in the attitude and in the Like there was no there was no irony to the to to the hair metal bands in the eighties. There was no sense of yeah, there was no sense of irony whatsoever. It was purely sincere. So when Nirvana come out with a song like Rape Me, it's just like, what the actual fuck is this like? Do you know what I mean? It was a huge middle finger to... to, to not, just, not just 80s metal, but to all 80s music. So the, you had these bands going on and they had all these big personas. Like, look at any interview of, of any of those bands, really. Um... Of Kurt Cobain in particular, just was just very quiet in interviews. Never had a big persona. Often took to piss in interviews. Kurt Cobain often lied to interviewers, famously. A lot of <laughs> um, another funny one is uh, Kevin Shields from the band My Bloody Valentine. You can go online. You can find an interview with him. I think it's with I think it's with MTV. I often find this funny. Like he's literally just sitting there, like. He's just talking, he's just kind of going, yeah, well, we just made the music and, uh, we, you know, we're talking and, uh, and he's just very soft, very just like, just almost very nervous. But Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine, he's Irish, he, he's a fucking genius. He invented a style of guitar playing and you're looking at this man going, man, you innovated the guitar for the first time. You You made the first big innovation in guitar music in like... 20 years and he just kind of sat there as if nothing just like yeah well you know <laughs> like but this is the way it was and this was this was what the 90s was was 
a big middle finger to the to the to the to the performance and the spectacle of the eighties, because how are you meant to rebel against someone who's already living a very rebellious and debaucherous lifestyle? How are you supposed to rebel against that? Well, the way you rebel against it is by not being rebellious and being quiet and and caring more about the music and not being a big character and being kind of quiet and being being shy, being introverted is the way to rebel against that, you know what I mean? And to to just wear that's when, you know, ripped jeans and flannel shirts and all these kind of things became the became the norm. And it all started with Smells Like Teen Spirit. So then you have bands like So then so because of that song finally mainstream rock music was now about sticking it to the man imagine this top of the pops 1991 1992 I'm not sure you have the biggest song in the world smells like teen spirit and Nirvana are going on to perform their huge hit the world over this song is fucking ginormous you're going on top of the pops to perform it. Alright, this is a story. You can look this up. Find this on YouTube. It's fucking amazing. Oh yeah, it's one of my favourite videos of all time. I watch it regularly. Top of the Pops is... They tell the bands... No, no, you don't actually play the music. The singer sings the song live, but the actual music itself is just back and track. So you just uh, pretend to be playing your instruments, right? Don't actually play your instruments. Just pretend to be playing them. And then the singer sings, and then because that's just the way that's just the way that's just the way we do it here. So, Kurt Cobain, Dave Grohl, and Chris Novoselic say, "Yeah, yeah, 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 no problem, no problem, no problem." <laughs> they go on and they pretend to play their instruments, <laughs> and they play. They pretend to play their instruments as if they've never in their life played. Music in their life. Kurt Cobain just kind of holds the guitar. He doesn't hold a chord at all. He just kind of holds it. And just kind of waves his hand around as if nothing. Sometimes he just holds his hands up. Like he just holds his two arms out. Not even touching the guitar whatsoever. During like. During like. During like. During like big heavy guitar bits. He's just holding his hands out. Not even touching the guitar. Dave Grohl is just kind of like. He's just like waving his hands around in the air. Barely touching the drums. And Kristen Michelle's is just kind of swinging his bass around as if... <laughs> he's just kind of swinging his bass around his head and shit like that. And then Kurt Cobain goes on and sings the song as if he's like... He sings it as if he's some sort of like 80s pop star. So he goes, load up on guns, bring your friends. And he just the whole song like that. Which... I mean, bef- I mean like that's... A fucking crazy fucking thing to do. That's a crazy thing to do. Especially like you have the number one song in the world. And you're the biggest band in the world. You're like in line with like. There's this long line of like huge bands. That starts. It's kind of starts. You'd have like the Beatles. Led Zeppelin and all the way along. And they're the new number one rock band in the world. They're just fucking ginormous. And you go on top of the pops and just do that. Because you just genuinely don't give a fuck that's a fucking crazy move and if you're concerned about your career you wouldn't do that but that's what this was about well you weren't you weren't making music to fit commercial success anymore you weren't you weren't making music to please somebody you were making the music you wanted to make and you were making the music that was true to you and meant something to you and it was, it's, I mean, it's arguably one of the, it's, it's one of the, that song coming out, Smells Like Teen Spirit coming out, just being released into the charts, is one of the top ten most important moments in rock music history, I would, I would say. If it brought rock music back. Rock music in the mainstream became about 
sticking it to the man again. You had mainstream bands not giving a fuck about their careers and giving a middle finger to authority. And it was fucking incredible. And it killed hair metal. Famously, grunge killed hair metal. So look up, look up hair metal and you'll just see that grunge killed it. And so there you go. So that's the story of hair metal. Of um, a very, very shy genre of music. I mean, is there anything shitter? I mean, fucking Bon Jovi. <laughs> Who the fuck listens to Bon Jovi? Who the fuck is listening? Who the fuck is listening to White Snake? Jonathan. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's the that's the story of hair metal. Um, I hope you liked it. And uh, I hope you weren't offended. If you're a fan of hair metal, I do apologise. But I'm not a fan. I'm not much of a fan. To be honest, I, 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 like, I like a bit of Motley Crue. I do like a bit of Motley Crue. Um, it's just, it's hard rock without any without any soul in it, I would, I would say. That's what I would describe hair metal as. And it had to come to an inevitable end. Like all genres of music just eventually end up dying. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's hair metal. That's hair metal for you. Um, I hope you liked it. Thanks very much for listening. Um, I'll see you again next week. I love you all. Bye bye.